0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another great episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. I'm your host, Craig Goins, and my guest this week is Jessica Kabin, an award-winning middle school principal from the state of Minnesota. Jessica is the author of four books on school leadership, including Unconventional Leadership and Lead with Grace. So be sure to jump over to Jessica's website at jessicakabin.com, pick up a book, and check out her many resources to help school leaders. Jessica Kabine was named the 2021 Principal of the Year by K-12 Dive News, a leading publication that helps shape K-12 education. If you live here in Kentucky, Jessica Kabine will be a keynote speaker at the National Association of Elementary School Principals Conference that will be held in July in Louisville. So you certainly wanna put that on your calendar for July 15th through 17th in Louisville. This was a fun episode packed with great ideas for the school principal jessica kabin talks about the principles of unconventional leadership and dispels the myth that you have to be the perfect principal in your school this conversation took place a couple weeks ago as schools were wrapping up the current year and you can hear both a sense of pride and a little bit of relief in jessica's voice as we jump into summer Speaking of the summer, now is the perfect time to reflect, recharge, and get ready for the fall. So, why not start your own podcast PD this summer? Just like a book study, Podcast PD is all about sharing out your favorite podcast episodes, then circling back with your friends to have some discussion, either through a Zoom meeting, Voxer group chat, or maybe you set up a dedicated website or Google Classroom that serves as a home base for your podcast PD this summer. If you want to get started with Podcast PD, hit me up on Twitter at Dr. Greg Goins. I'll be glad to work with you to get you up and going. So with that, folks, let's jump into this week's episode. My conversation with Jessica Kabeen begins right after this quick promo from the Education Podcast Network.
1: I'm Katie Atwell, co-host of the EduGals Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com.
0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Reimagined Schools Podcast. Another great episode coming at you this week. Uh, my special guest is an award-winning principal in the great state of Minnesota. She's also the author of four books now. Uh, just a fantastic school leader. A big welcome to Jessica Cabine. How are you, Jessica?
1: You know, I just said offline, it's, it's May in a middle school, so I'm still smiling. <laughs> We're getting there.
0: And, you know, I still have great admiration for people that are still in the trenches doing the work. It's been a while since I've worked in a school since I've been working in higher education the last five years, what is the vibe right now in mid may in a middle school?
1: Uh, It's the marathon. It's the final mile of the marathon. And I think we started um, kind of an unsteady year coming back from, from COVID and in our school specifically, we were on a hybrid schedule. So we haven't had 850 middle schoolers here in three years in may. So it's, it's rebuilding a muscle we haven't used in a while. Um, but we just I, I lead with with positivity and integrity and authenticity, and I think that's what we're trying to do. So we're really trying hard to give teachers bandwidth outside of the school day so they can reset and return the next day and watch the same kids, have a hard time with a water bottle or a banana or raising their hand, or turning something in, but it just seems like if we can recalibrate and try again the next day, we just want to leave the kids with with a positive attitude as they, as they exit our school, and some of them are heading to the high school next year.
0: And, and, you know, it's obviously it's been a tough couple years dealing with the pandemic and all that's happened with that, um, and unfortunately, I'm still seeing the after effects of that. You see a lot of teachers that are leaving the profession, and a lot of people that have kind of soured on just being back in the schoolhouse, how have you kind of dealt with some of that fatigue and some of those concerns as you try to provide a little more life balance with your staff?
1: Absolutely. Um, we started the year with a with a really, um, I would say, powerful statement of of how I'm going to lead this year. And I and I said when we started the year, I said I'm going to. I need you to know that I all, will always value you as a person before your position. I just, I need you to know that coming into this year, because there was a lot of anxiety and apprehension of returning with masks, but fully in person, what is that going to look like? Um, and I just said, if you need a moment, if you need to rest, if you need a day, I value you as a person before the position. And I feel like setting that tone really um, humanized the work that we're doing. and also really was vulnerable and saying, we're not always a hundred percent we we can't be and and coming out of this pandemic we we weren't going to be so i think knowing that we have the grace and the space to just build that muscle back and and start to find ways to to um, have time in our day we did move um we kept our block schedule which was new for our building so we had block and hybrid so we stayed with the block so teachers have not only 88 minute classes but then they have an 88 minute prep which <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously we have some sub coverage things, but during that 88 minutes, we really encourage them to take walks with their colleagues to have some just free space to think about things um, and take a breather. And I think too the, the last thing I would say in regards to just that foundation of person before position is when we have professional development, we started with a playlist now. We started that when we were virtual and we're continuing it. So the teachers get a one pager that says, okay, here are the must do's while you're in PD today. Like you have to turn in your CEUs. You got to complete the one OSHA test. You've got to turn in your grades. Here are the may do's. Here's some professional development on mindfulness. Here's some professional development on curriculum stacking. Here's, you know, and so then they could kind of pick and choose their own adventure. And we said, you've got three hours today but we don't need this till Friday. So if you need to take an extended time to go let your dog out and come back, go for it. If you feel like today was a hard day and I just need to reset and come back later, that's fine too. But I think giving them permission um, and explicit instructions, like here's what we have to get done today. Here's what you can get done. And here's the space to do it. Um, I would definitely not return to all seat-based everybody eight hour learning for adults anymore. I think our kids didn't thrive in it. And we're trying to change some of that in our practices. And I sure think our adults don't either. So varying our professional development and making sure that there's time for a reflection and application in the day versus you got a speaker till three 30 and now the day is done. And what do you do with all that? So those are just some things that we've really done to revamp even our PD during the year.
0: And, you know, I think that's fantastic because as we've learned, one of the really positive things in my mind that's come out of dealing with the pandemic is uh, you know I'm seeing a lot more school districts using this playlist concept in the classroom and you know choice boards in the classroom but you're talking about really creating a choice board for adults Mm -hmm. giving them giving them more options so can you just kind of talk a little bit more about what that looks like is is there what kind of tech tools do you use to kind of develop that playlist and, and absolutely provide some accountability there
1: Absolutely. So um, our learning management system is Schoology. So we have a lot of the the documentation and resources in Schoology folders based upon the the month or the the day of which the professional development's occurring. Um, When we were more virtual, we use things like Flipgrid for reflections, um, Nearpod for activities. You know, a lot of times I'll work with our tech integrationist and instructional coach and say, okay, what are the, the tools that we want our teachers to use with kids And how can we integrate that in professional development so they have a chance to play with it? And I think that's the other thing, too, is so often as educators, we think we have to be the experts in everything. Um, But if we can just put some tools out and let them play around with it and tinker with it, a lot of times their creativity and that art of teaching comes out. And they're like, first off, A, this wasn't so hard to use. I figured it out. Or B oh my gosh, I could use this in this capacity or this capacity. So I think giving that time um, to integrate those tech tools. So a lot of it really to circle back is using Schoology as our learning management system and then using things like Flipgrid. Um, We use S'more for newsletters and communication. uh, Forms, we're a Microsoft district. So Google Forms is a great way to gain feedback and take attendance. So like during our staff meetings now, instead of a sign-in, I send out a... um, form, a Microsoft form that says, did I attend the staff meeting? And then I usually have like three takeaways. Like, do I understand the directions for the field trip? Do I know what I need to do to turn in my life skills grade? Um, Am I going to have something fun to do this weekend? And then to go back to that person before the position, we've included a a longer response line that says shout outs. I want to give a shout out too. And so staff can then give positive affirmations to each other. And then I put that in the newsletter the next week. And then finally, um, we have a open question called Jess and Chris and Chris is our assistant principal. Um, I have a question about, and then sometimes they're, they're super meaningful, like, Hey, what's the bell schedule going to be on the last day of school. And sometimes it's like, if you had your beverage of a choice, what would it be? <laughs> Cause we're middle school adults too. So it's been kind of fun. And then any question we have, Chris and I respond to it, no matter how silly or serious. So they know that they have a, a space. Cause we're a, um, campus of probably about 100 employees, um, and sometimes they don't feel like they have the time or the resources or the, the ways to ask the question in person. But when they put it in the form, then I can respond to everybody, because if they have a question, chances are somebody else has the same question.
0: And, you know, I think that's so powerful that, uh, you know, I've heard you talk a lot about authentic leadership. And then, mm-hmm. of course, the, the name of the book is Unconventional Leadership which we're going to get into here in just a few minutes. But uh, I think it was Eric Scheniger told me one time, we teach the way we were taught and we lead the way we were led. And so too many times, uh, new principals, our, our young school administrators would just do what they know and kind of follow that same path that the previous administrator had put together. But for something like what you're doing, I mean, it's really thinking outside the box and taking some big risk.
1: Absolutely. And I think if I could give new leaders um, a a piece of advice, I wish I would have learned early on is make mistakes and own them. Like just, it's okay. Like they, they don't want a perfect principle. Nobody wants a perfect principle. I haven't found one yet. And when you can let that take yourself off that pedestal and just be honest and real. And when you make a mistake, own it, you won't believe the level of trust you get from the people you work with. And what they'll do for you when you're willing to say, Hey, I screwed up. Like just honestly, a half hour ago, I just sent out an email to the department chair saying, Hey, I thought we were going to have a fun day the last day. Yeah. We probably don't want 850 kids in an unstructured environment. The last four days of the pandemic school year, sorry. Like we're going to recalibrate. We're going to have more of a regular day, you know, and, and they're not mad at me. Cause I listened, they said, Hey, I don't know if this is a great idea, <laughs> this could go bad. And, and and then they're saying, we still want to have fun with the kids, but we want to do it in our advisories. You want to do this and that, you know, would you be willing to like change your plan? I'm like, yeah, totally. But if I didn't have that relationship with these people, I would have put something in place that would have a been probably really awful and stressful for people and B wouldn't have been meaningful because they didn't have a voice in it. So I think just being open and honest and willing to receive that feedback. And when you make a mistake own it. Like it, it's hard as a leader to, to let go of that, like a perfectionism. But I tell you, I have become a better leader by owning and acknowledging my mistakes than I ever did when I tried to kind of cover them up or make scapegoats for it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I listened to uh, an interview that you did with, uh, cafeli not too long ago with oh, the, yeah. uh, AP assistant principal, I think it was a live YouTube. Yes. And, uh, you were talking about the fact that you went through like three or four versions of your uh, school schedule in real time. Yeah. And you just, you just had to go back to your faculty and say, sorry, guys, uh, you know, we're on plan C or plan D, yeah. but we're going to get it right, but we're not there yet.
1: And I feel like, I mean, as much as I, I had to, as much as I was humiliated by it, like in the, in the back channels, um, it, the amount of compassion I got for owning it right away and just saying, Oh, we're going to try again. You know, I think, And they understood we were coming out of a pandemic. This was new learning. We weren't sure if we were ever going to go back to hybrid. So we had to have all these contingency plans in place. But I think just building those relationships of not only is it okay for me to fail and make mistakes, I really want you to try things in your classroom that you maybe haven't done before that could build in more deeper learning and meaning for our kids. So I think maybe modeling that gives them explicit permission to do the same.
0: And, you know, I love this idea of being unconventional I've always been someone that wants to slay the dragon and the dragon is always the status quo and you know we we have to kind of think outside the box I know that phrase is overused But we have to think differently about what schools need to look like today. And just going through the day-to-day process, your example of how you're rolling out PD is a perfect example. You know, that's something that a lot of people may not even thought was possible because Mm -hmm. we have to do, you know, we have to color inside the lines all the time. So what was kind of your thought process in creating uh, the unconventional uh, leadership guide, if you will?
1: Absolutely. Um, So it it came out of some conversations with some uh, professors at a university in which, At that time, social media was really seen as more social instead of professional development, specifically around Twitter. I had some academic um, professors that were really like, How do you gain learning from Twitter? And I'm like, That's my best learning. (laughs) Like, I can connect with people. I can see resources I might not have been leaned into. I can listen to podcasts and all those things. And so that was the light bulb for me, as I felt like at that time, you were either in the academic realm or you were a like connected educator. And I really felt like the two could mesh together. And so the unconventional leadership took a look at different stakeholder groups, like parents, staff, community, you know, our central office staff and ourselves and saying, okay, what is what is the practice and research around this? And then who are people that you can connect to in real time to learn more about it? So the unconventional piece was, is how do we take what we know is good practice and has research behind it, but then connect it to the people who are actually out doing the work day to day. Cause that's the difference Is Some of these books are, I mean, all these books are incredible from, from researchers and professors. Um, but then how does that, ha- how does that translate on a Tuesday when you're down three staff and you're covering a classroom and have to prepare a, a comprehensive board report? Like, what does that look like? And so a lot of that was just connecting some of that research to practice in practical ways was really my intention around that book.
0: You know, I was a first year principal, I think, in 2000. And so this was before social media blew up, even before YouTube and all those kind of things. And so I, I you had the conversation about where do great ideas come from? And at that time, you actually went to the library and you mm-hmm. went to the periodical section and you found Scholastic Principle or whatever education journal you could find. And hopefully you would find some pearls of wisdom or maybe you could find a book in the library. But here it is, 2022. And you can teach an old dog new tricks. I begin, I begin every morning on Twitter. That's where, I get, that's where I get all my news and all, yep. all my education information. But you think about podcasting. You think about YouTube videos. You think about book studies. I mean, it's, the whole thing has changed. If you have a teacher come to you and say, uh, you know, Dr. Goins, I have an interest in flexible seating, our starting genius hour. I'm not going to find that in scholastic principle more than likely but I am going to find it in my Twitter feed. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I think just like what we're doing right now, like as, as a scholar and a professor, you're continuing to bring and refresh new ideas and bringing practitioners into your work to see the connection. And that's really what that unconventional was looking at is like, we can really marry these two worlds together and be better for educators and administrators. And the, the thing I love about it is you can get nuggets of wisdom. And my hope is, is that your audience walks away with like, okay, she she was like a, I don't know, I probably have given out like 50 different ideas in the last 15 minutes, but hopefully one or two of them are going to latch on to somebody and they can learn from it. And I think that's the best thing about these, these resources is you can learn something from anybody and you can have access to it at any time.
0: Yeah, and I, probably like yourself, I tell all educators, even those that are you know in our teacher education programs here at our college, you know if you're not on Twitter, you don't know what you don't know. And there are so many great ideas floating around every day. And it, everyone has had the problem that you have and, and someone out there has solved it. So instead of trying to bang your head against the wall, get on Twitter and find out what you know, how to solve some of those big problems.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in asking, finding that collective network, I've gotten such great help and support from asking for help. And some of my, my best friends are the Brene Brown square squad. Like the, the people that I, when I, things are going bad, I I found on Twitter and made connections with, and, and they're the people I can call when things aren't going well. And they're an outside person that can look inside and say, "Oh, that is bad. Or, oh, hey, you know, think about this or that. So it just really, in a time where I think a lot of administrators feel isolated and kind of beat up, it's nice to have some other people out there in the world that are, can kind of help and share with their support.
0: And, you know, obviously, uh, it's important to have a mentor or a coach or someone that can kind of mm-hmm. help you along the way. And I'm sure that you have a support system there built in with other administrators in your district. But what I have found is I reach out to people on Twitter all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I, I hate to name drop, but, you know, you can send Todd Whitaker a DM and he'll get back to me or a Brad Gustason, or an Eric mm-hmm. Scheniger our Tom Murray, and the list goes on and on and on. If I want to know what's going on in in the PBL world, I'll go straight to the source. And these people are always willing to connect and talk and share ideas. So it's just, you know, you feel like you just have this army of people in your corner helping you with with all of your leadership issues.
1: Absolutely. And they're people. I think you, you nailed it, Greg. They're people. Like, they're not these, like, edu celebrities that you can't connect with. They are real people in the work and willing to engage in conversations about the work and the things that they've done because it it helps them learn and grow too.
0: So let's jump in a little bit about uh, talking about soft skills. And, you know, you talk about that from from the lens of the leader. And I, I think we can all agree that most leaders, most all of us, can do the basic things you know we're going to show up on time we're going to look dress the part we're going to look the part we're going to take care of all those tasks we have on our to-do list but why don't we spend enough time developing those same soft skills we're teaching kids in the classroom why aren't we doing that with adults in our building and with ourselves
1: absolutely i would say the guide ma- the guiding mantra from that lead with grace is it's really not about what you say but how you say it And the, the way a message is relayed really will impact the way in which it's going to be carried out. And I think that is something that can really be an Achilles heel for some leaders. And sometimes they'll question like, well, I said it in an email three weeks ago, why aren't they doing it? Or I did this. Um, so I think it's really important that, um, we really do tackle those soft skills because those are essential skills to lead at a higher level.
0: In your building, um, I I hate the term open door policy, but the teachers and the staff in your building know that you're there for them, Mm -hmm. there to support them, there to help them. I would even say there to love them and get to Mm -hmm. know them on a personal level. How do you create that, especially if you're someone that maybe is a little bit more introverted?
1: Absolutely. And I think um, that's where that authentic piece comes in. And I share the story in the book of how I followed behind like the Mary Poppins of elementary principals. I was the next one and I was a middle school assistant principal, recovering a middle school assistant principal. So like the, the cards were stacked against me because I didn't know how to relate to kindergarten teachers. I didn't have the soft skills necessary to make that transition. So it was hard, but what I really um, learned from that is just being authentic in who I am. And I think the example I would share is that in the morning, she always stood in the, in the building and connected with teachers and said hi to them as they walked in. For me, that's not bucket filling. For me, my why is the kids that I serve. And so I transitioned from being in the halls, in the building, to being out in the playground and greeting kids as they came off the bus. And I never, um, it was a shift for teachers. They're like, well, where's Jessica? Well, she's outside. Oh, I don't wanna bother her. They're like, no, you can go talk to her outside. She's just, she's with kids, that's her why. And nobody ever questioned that I was doing bus duty. Actually, most of them were really grateful because they didn't have to then. <laughs> and I got to walk into the building every day, like being fulfilled in the work that I'm doing. And, and I mean, like five-year-olds are just bounds of joy and happiness to see you, you know, running off the bus. So I think finding your own niche and what makes you happy and how you lead. And sometimes that's even leaning into hobbies or things that you do outside of school to bring them in. Um, occasionally the kids will see me jump in and play the drum set in the band. Cause I'm a former musician and they think that's pretty cool. If your, um, content area is able to weave into one of the classes and participate in a project, that's another great way to, to be authentic and build those relationships. And then I would just say too, with that open door and we were laughing about this before um, you got on, cause I did have to lock my door because chances are someone, some middle school is going to walk in for a granola bar right now. Uh, One of the things I learned when I came into this position as the middle school principal is it's okay to shut your door, to regulate yourself sometimes, because you may have a, um, a difficult conversation, an angry parent, upset phone call, and you might need 30 seconds or five minutes or 10 minutes to regulate yourself. And it's okay to shut your door and um the staff laugh at me but i brought my zones of regulation board from the elementary school to this building and and i will have certain teachers come in and say i think you need to put your red card up like i don't think you're regulated to talk to us right now you know or they the, my secretary who's like my work wife um she will come in and grab the card and say yep you're done for a while so it's, it's when you're that vulnerable with people to say hey Let me know if, if the vibe I'm giving isn't working and it's okay for yourself to give your permission, yourself permission to pause because, um, you don't want to be that person that, um, there, I always say, don't let your languishing cause you to lash out. So if you're in a mood or a funk, just be really careful because you can't, you can't take whatever that interaction was back, but it sure does impact.
0: You know, and I also think every year that you serve in that role, you're going to grow a little bit yes. more. Yes. So think about, you know, just some of the big things, big takeaways from the last couple of years that you, you now have as part of your toolkit to help you become a better uh, school leader.
1: Um, for sure, I would go back to how I started the year is that value the people before the position. Take the time to get to know the people that you're serving with. Um, that doesn't mean you have to, like, if you're an introvert, that doesn't mean you have to be out at the happy hours after work. Cause I don't do that either, but just make known, be aware. Like, what do they seem to like to do? How many kids do they have? What, what are their activities after school? And just, you know, circle back every once in a while, how's your cat doing? Oh, you have a senior, are they graduating? Just little things like that, build meaningful relationships. Um, I would also say, don't be afraid to fail please don't be afraid to fail. And you know what? make them big. Like, Hey, I screwed up the master schedule for 850 kids three times during the school year, three times. I had to go back to parents, students, and families and staff and say, Oh, it's okay. It, and I still have a job. <laughs> you know, like it's nobody expects you to be perfect, but if you put that pressure on yourself, it's, you're not going to sustain the work. And I think you got, you got to um, also have a life outside of your leading. It's, it's necessary to put some boundaries within your work because otherwise if it consumes you day and night, you're not going to be ready for the next day, or you're not going to be ready for the long marathon haul of, of leading. Cause this work is so worth it. Um, even the end of May, I'm going to have happy tears when these little suckers leave me. <laughs> and then I go work graduation two days later. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, they like actually learn how to like, complete a sentence without a swear word or they 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 completed their credits or you know it's just such an amazing experience to be a part of a child's life for as many years as you can and then get to see them later on
0: you know this next question is probably going to be a tough one to answer so maybe we can kind of navigate it together but as you close out the school year how do you look back on the year collectively and measure what success you've had I mean, I know it's not going to be, you know, test scores and graduation rates, at least I hope not. Right. So if it's not that, how do you know if you're successful?
1: So I have a shoebox right under my desk in which I keep special notes or cards from staff. And I would say that has probably been the lifesaver for me through the years. And I would encourage anybody... (laughs) to have that. So when you have that day when you're like, do I think I can keep doing this? Open up that box. And I would say in the last 3 weeks I've gotten some really powerful emails or notes from people that I was like, where did that come from? Like it's almost like the great resignation. You always get those great cards when people know you're going. I'm like, where was that 3 years ago? <laughs> so, I would say those qualitative things will help us with the quantitative long run. And I think we definitely started to see some improvements in some of our academic skills, but the staff here would always say that I was relationship first. Because I, I think that came from the search institute that they say um parents don't care what you know until they know that you care. I would say teachers don't really care about your degrees unless you care about them.
0: And you know I would also think that the the best uh group to get some feedback from would be the kids in the building. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they have opportunity to let you know and let others know. You know, whether they've had a good experience or a bad experience this year.
1: Well, and my my poor husband, which he he will have his wings in heaven for this one. He, you know, we live in the community that I lead in. So I know the last I was a six-year kindergarten principal, now a four-year middle school principal. Like I've been in this community for over 15, 20 years. So I know I like I feel like I could go to the grocery store and I I get stopped by everybody. But that being said, we were at my son's track meet Tuesday night. And you've got those boys or those kids right now. It's a group of boys that drive you bonkers during the day. You do whatever first grade, fifth grade, 12th grade. And I'm like, they could, they will run away from me during the day. But at that high school track meet, they stood next to me for three hours. <laughs> and my husband, the one is like, Miss Kabine's my school mom. She's my school mom. You know? And I'm like, my husband's like, if you don't take that as like, the biggest resume builder or endorsement of the work that you do. Like that's an incredible. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I would think school mom from teenage boys would be a home run. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> congratulations <laughs> for that. That's, that's fantastic. So, well, again, thanks uh, for joining me and congratulations on all your success. I mean, you're doing wonderful things and we can learn so much from this conversation. So just a quick closing thought, um, you know, maybe some, some advice or tips for people out there that maybe you're struggling a little bit, trying to limp to the finish line. Uh, you know, how can you lift those folks up?
1: Yep. Three P's purpose, pause and praise. So when you're struggling in a season to, to kind of get through, through it, what's your purpose either in life or the work or the season you're in? What, what, what called you to do that? The work you're trying to do just pause in that, just sit, quietly for 2 minutes, 3 minutes, 5 minutes, take some deep breaths. Recenter that purpose. Why are you here in praise? Like two ways to praise. One, like write a note to a student, acknowledge a staff member. If you're a teacher, like send a note to your principal or your assistant principal. in may that that's the toughest job in the world. Middle school or high school assistant principals in May, they got it. they need a raise. But that being said, giving gratitude to others always makes you feel better. But secondly, if you get a compliment from somebody like, like Greg, I like, like sit with it so often high achievers are just, they let it go. They're like, oh yeah, but I did this wrong. Or I did that wrong. Sit in the praise that you receive because too often we sit in the criticism and the cheap seats and we don't take the compliments from those closest to us. That means more. So really do that because you're going to get a lot of stuff thrown at you. But if you can have your purpose you can pause in it and then just seek that praise. You're going to get some resiliency out of this work.
0: Well, great advice. And again, uh, thanks for your time and have a Absolutely. great summer.
1: You too. Thanks.
0: So that's a wrap on this episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Once again, a big thank you goes out to Jessica Cabine. Be sure to follow her on Twitter at Jessica Cabine and check out her website. Check out all the great books that she's written for school leaders. As always, be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And don't forget to head over to Apple Podcast, give us that five-star rating, and leave a positive comment to help even more educators find this podcast on the web as we continue the conversation on how to reimagine schools. As always, folks, thanks for your support. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep fighting for change in your school.